Well, good morning. It's really, really good to see you. I have been away for a while. <clears throat> That's really kind. Thank you for that welcome. And if you're a guest here, uh, the applause is not for the incredible running on the screen there. I almost expected Julie Andrews to pop up during that that uh, video. Uh, I went back to England and those English people gave me swine flu, uh, so stay away from them. And then uh, I came back and that turned into double pneumonia. And so I um, had a bit of a challenging time, but I appreciate so much your prayers and uh, it's so wonderful uh, to be home. Before I uh, before I get into this message this morning, I know that Pastor Dowry has already done this, but I just, I need to say a huge thank you to Pastor Rob Coles, because at the last minute, the three weeks, he stepped up and did an absolutely incredible job. So could we say thank you to him? I'm aware if you're a guest with us today, you haven't got a clue who I am. My name's Jeff, and I'm from Arkansas, and I'm happy to see you, so... Well, we're continuing this, uh, this King of the Hill series, and uh, this weekend we're thinking about the theme, Worried to Death. Worried to Death, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Matthew 6 and verse 25. Therefore I tell you, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. A few months ago, when I was, uh, when I was back in England, I was talking with some other Christian leaders about some of the churches that we have visited and, uh, and some of the odd names that there are for churches because of the villages or cities that they're in. Uh, one of the guys uh, told me that he'd been to the village of Hardley in England. Hardley. And uh, he had preached at <laughs> Hardley Pentecostal Church. It's a great name for a church, isn't it? Hardly Pentecostal. Should we raise our hands? Nah, you know, let's forget that. <laughs> he also told me about the village of Bear in England. Uh, Bear. And uh, <laughs> he was invited to go to speak at the Bear Ladies Fellowship. <laughs> I'd love to comment, but I better not right now. And my favourite are... Uh, uh, I was invited to speak at a church in Oregon in the, in the city of Boring. 
and uh, I went to preach at Boring Assembly of God. I'll make no more comment about that. When Jesus delivered this sermon, it certainly wasn't boring, it must have seemed staggering. Because he is addressing not a group of the rich and famous who paid $20,000 apiece to hear a top motivational speaker. He was addressing a group of people who were living under occupation. The Romans uh, owned the land really, now they'd taken over. Uh, They were living under a gripping, uh, the grip of a, a terrible tax burden, political uncertainty. And, and here Jesus comes to this group and he says, don't worry. Don't worry. I don't know about you, does anybody else find that a bit of a challenge? I, I, I actually caught myself driving to church this morning, worrying on the way to church as I'm about to deliver a message about worry. How many of you have had a, had a flu shot? Anyone had a flu shot? That, that's good. I'm happy for you. How many of you never raise your hand, whatever the question is from the preacher? <laughs> I wish there was a worry shot. I wish I could just go into Safeway and say, I, well, I don't need swine flu. I've done that. Um, um, I, I'd like a flu shot. And, and could I have, just while you're at it, give me the worry too. Hit me. Because it's so easy to say, don't worry, and and so difficult. I come from a family where worrying is a much-loved tradition. Uh, If worrying was an Olympic sport, my mother would be a gold medalist. I mean, uh, my wife is not like that. Kay, uh, she is, she's calm and peaceful. She's like Mother Teresa in Levi's, but worrying (laughs) is a big deal on, on my side of the family. Jesus says, don't worry. And he's not just saying, don't worry, be happy. Did anyone remember that song? Uh, it was uh, Bobby McFerrin. It was based on a slogan uh, from the Indian mystic, Miha Baba, whose last words on this earth were, don't forget, I am God. This is not some empty slogan. And I want you to know that looking through those prayer requests that Pastor Scott mentioned earlier in our service, One of the things that I am absolutely desperate about this weekend is that you don't go out of here with a cliché. When we're worried, we don't need another slogan. We don't need another little uh, greeting card idea that is superficial. And we must know that when Jesus says, don't worry, he's giving us some very profound instruction about the way to do life. So let's look a little closer. And if you're following along in the bulletin, uh, then uh, you can fill these points in as we go. First of all, let, let's, let's face up to something, a reality to face, and that is that life involves trouble. A reality to face, life involves trouble. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, each day has enough trouble of its own. Are there any country and western music fans here who are willing to confess to that? Isn't it interesting that country and western, it, it, it seems to be full of angst and, and somewhat pessimistic. I was looking at some country and western songs this week. Some of the titles are just incredible. Billy broke my heart at Walgreens and I cried all the way to Sears. 
Here's another great one. I'd love to hear this one. Bubba shot the jukebox. My wife ran off with my best friend and I sure do miss him. Uh, Here's a terrific one. When you wrapped my lunch in a road map, I knew you meant goodbye. Here's my favorite. I'm so miserable without you, it's almost like having you here. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus is not singing a country and western song. He's being real. He is being real. In this world, you shall have trouble. John 16, verse 33. And not only that, but Jesus says, uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Verse 34, he says, each day has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow will worry about itself. That's a weird statement. A better translation is, tomorrow will have its own share of anxiety. Stop right there, sir. Pause the program for a moment and get this truth. Get out of the idea that somehow tomorrow will automatically be blue sky without any worries. That somehow you're going to break through the sound barrier of life and walk into a place where you will be trouble free. No, Jesus drives a truck through that idea and says, effectively, life on this earth will always involve some form of potential trouble. What that means is, rather than dreaming about a Disneyland life, we better get to grips with what Jesus says to us about how to deal with that realistic trouble uh, that is part of living. So a reality to face... Life involves trouble. Secondly, let's see a certainty to celebrate. A certainty to celebrate. And that is that there is a God who cares. Look at verse 30. A certainty to celebrate. There is a God who cares. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here tomorrow, today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus is saying... Life involves trouble. But then he's saying, but there is a God who cares. Some people say that the big question is, is there a God? I don't think that's the big question. I believe that the big question is, what kind of God is there? And God is revealed to us here as being the God who is there and the God who does care. Going through this little period of of, uh, sickness, um, I've never been sick before and uh, and I discovered that I have an allergy. I'm allergic to most forms of pain and I and I found out that faith and life look a bit different when you're in the inside of a CAT scan machine. I mean, you know, our medical care back in England is pretty good now. It didn't used to be very good. They used to invest heavily in the autopsy. (laughs) Whereas here, uh, medical profession is very thorough. And uh, I'm on the West Coast in in Oregon and I get double pneumonia. And I have to have uh, various tests and stuff. Some of that's still going on. And I made two mistakes. Number one, I asked my doctor too many questions. And secondly, when I got those answers, I went onto the internet to research further. How many know what I'm talking about? If you've got a nosebleed, don't go on the internet. 
You're dead. And I'm on the inside of a CAT scan machine and the robot is saying, breathe in, hold your breath. And I suddenly thought, what difference is faith making to this moment? I couldn't automatically guarantee that I was going to be healed because I believe in the God of divine healing and supernatural power, but not every Christian gets healed. So what did I have on the inside of the machine? What I had was this. There is a God... He cares about me, and he is with me. That's what I have. Some of you know that, uh, uh, that eight months ago, I became a, a granddad. And uh, here's a little update picture. Here's the, the latest. That's Stanley. Is that cute or what? I just need to just pause for a moment. Stanley, it's granddad. It's granddad. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that's a cheap, gratuitous excuse for showing us a a grandchild photograph with a tenuous link to the sermon. And you're absolutely right. But just pause for a moment longer and look into his eyes because, you see, children, babies who are safe, look at him, he's he's not worried about the mortgage. He's not fretting about the economy. All he has to do is eat, smile and poop. That's all he has to do. Did I just say the word poop? And you see, the, the powerful truth is that Jesus doesn't say, if you follow me, then all of this are the results. All of these will, things will happen. But he does say, look at this truth. You have a heavenly father. You're safe. That doesn't mean that you'll be spared every trouble. You may not get out of this alive, but even ultimately that can't hurt you because your heavenly father is the one who is bigger than death itself. And so Jesus says there's a reality to face. Life involves trouble, a certainty to celebrate. There is a God who cares. Thirdly, Jesus then teaches us that there's a response to that revelation. And the response to that revelation is to understand the futility of worry, a response to the revelation, the futility of worry. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow. Now, now just get this. Jesus is not saying don't work. We were designed for work. That's one reason why we urgently need to pray for those in our city who are battling unemployment right now, because not only are there economic consequences to that, but emotional consequences too. That's a big struggle. Jesus is not saying don't work. In fact, when he talks about the birds of the air, he is talking about a creature that is incredibly industrious, hard-working. I know that because two nights ago, a pigeon a demon-possessed pigeon (laughs) named Beelzebub camped outside my bedroom window and at 3 a.m. greeted me and it cooed five times and then took a break for coffee and then cooed another five times every 45 seconds from 3 a.m. to 4.30. I thought, I need to get Bubba's gun. 
and minister to the pigeon. This thing was industrious. It obviously believes that its occupation in life is to coo. And it does that. Jesus is not saying don't work, don't be responsible. And he's certainly not saying don't make any plans about your life. Pastor Darry mentioned that last week. No, Jesus is saying don't worry. Why does he say don't worry? Well, first of all, worry has an active imagination. Notice that Jesus uses language which is mostly about the future. What will we eat? What will we wear? Worry has got an incredible imagination. Mark Twain said, I'm an old man, have known a great many troubles, but most of them have never happened. The story is told of a, of a, a couple. They, they, they heard uh, unexpected sounds in their house at night and they thought it might be a burglar, so the husband went out and uh, he saw this guy in his family room and he said, he said, hi, he said, are you a burglar? And the guy said, yes, I, I am a burglar. And he said, could you do me a favor? Before you take my stuff, could you come and meet my wife? Because she's been expecting you for the last 30 years. <laughs> Doesn't worry do that? It speculates, it agitates about the future, it creates hurry. Jesus talks about the pagans running after things, internal, emotional agitation creates a sense of rush about our lives. It mocks our faith. One writer says, worry is practical atheism. It means that our faith ends up being a shrink-wrapped product for Sunday morning that has no effect when you walk out of here uh, a few minutes from now. It's just sealed away from real life. It mocks our faith. And it's a complete waste of time. It's a complete waste of time. A month ago, my doctor said, a month from now, you need to have some more tests. I'm going to have those tests tomorrow. I said, this is a bad deal. I'm going to spend the next 28 days worrying. You know what I figured out on day two? I gained nothing by worrying. There is not a thing I can do. So I just thought, all right, I won't. What's the point? Worry doesn't produce anything. Corrie Ten Boom, who spent time in a, in a concentration camp, she said, worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you moving but doesn't get you anywhere. Worry, dealing with worry is surely a discipline that we need to establish. But know this, Jesus is saying, it's a waste of time. It won't improve our situation at all. And worrying about tomorrow will just rob us of today. Lastly, fourthly, there's a priority to establish daily here, and that is the kingdom of God. I want you to do a little bit of work with me here in these last few minutes of this message. Because Jesus says, verse 33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, my brothers and sisters, please let's get this. Jesus doesn't just say, don't worry. You know, like that's a bit of a vacuous statement if that was it. But then he clarifies and he says, now let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to seek first the kingdom of, 
of God and God's righteousness. Now, let's just think about that for a moment. First of all, what does Jesus mean when he uses this word kingdom? What's this word kingdom mean? Unfortunately, a lot of Christians, the moment you mention the word kingdom, they think heaven. It's somewhat confused by Matthew's habit of using the phrase kingdom of heaven. He's the only gospel writer who does that. He does it because he's writing specifically for a Jewish Jewish audience. So we, we, we read kingdom and we think, oh, that must mean heaven. Is Jesus just saying, don't worry, you're going to go to heaven when you die? No, he's not. You see, the kingdom of God is simply the rule. It's a Jewish metaphor for the rule and reign of God. These people were living under the Roman kingdom. And Jesus was saying, pray for the kingdom of God to break into the earth. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God fully comes when Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, the kingdom of God is here. When we make a response to God this morning, the kingdom of God breaks out, but the kingdom of God will fully come when Jesus comes back. So Jesus is saying here, don't worry, but first of all, look for the big picture of God's kingdom. Secondly, he says, put it first. Seek first the kingdom. It's interesting that the word worry means to be drawn in different directions. What Jesus is saying here is one antidote to anxiety is to look at your priorities. If our priorities are stuff, then we will live agitated because our ultimate goal in life is stuff. If we perhaps enjoy stuff because God gives things richly for us to enjoy, but our primary focus in life is not stuff, but is the kingdom of God, then our priority will be established, established, and that will help us to dismiss anxiety. Because we say, well, as I say, the worst thing that can happen is I could die and Jesus has beaten death, so that's that taken care of. It's a very radical way of thinking. And I wish we could all just get a shot of this today. The truth is, the reality is, probably we need to reflect on these things and ask, where are our priorities? It's interesting that when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, uh, it's the the constant imperative of the verb, zetio. It is, keep seeking the kingdom. You know what I found out? You can start off as a Christian seeking first the kingdom and then you can drift into seeking first other stuff. And Jesus is saying, no, don't worry, look for the kingdom, be focused, and then remarkably he says, and look beyond yourselves. Because you see, he uses this word righteousness. Did you notice this? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now what's that about? Righteous is probably one of the most misunderstood words in the Bible. Oh, he's very self-righteous. It sounds like personalised, private piety. The word righteousness in the Bible means God's rightness. It means that as we sang in our worship time earlier, that God is a God of justice, 
So we look in the Old Testament and we see that Amos and Hosea, they cried out for righteousness to break out in the nation of Israel so that the poor would not be oppressed and that injustice would be overthrown. So when we look for righteousness, we are saying we want to see through the You Count campaign trafficking of women and men and children into the sex trade, we want to see that coming to an end. Why? Because it isn't right according to God. And we want to see kingdom righteousness break out. We want to participate in adopt a family at Christmas. Why? Because it's important that people are blessed and have enough and we can participate in that and see right prevail. Do you notice that Jesus is saying, get your priorities right, focus on the kingdom because Christianity makes a terrible hobby. But not only that, look beyond yourself. Have you ever discovered that? That when you're really anxious, go out and do something for somebody. Get the focus off of yourself. Embrace God's heart for righteousness. You may have heard Pastor Scott talking about the adopt-a-family deal earlier and you're thinking, you know what, I've got, a, I've got a bunch of stuff to deal with myself. I'm anxious enough about that without worrying about that. Do you know that wonderfully, as we focus outside of ourselves, that is so often the place where we discover the peace of God. Don't worry, Jesus says. Why don't we pray together? Father, we want to thank you today because your word is vitally relevant for our times and our lives. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the radical call that you give to us. We pray, Lord, now as we take some moments We want to pray that your word will find a resting place in agitated and fearful hearts. Lord, looking at the prayer requests that we pray over every week, there are people in this building today who are worried for a host of reasons. And Lord, as we sit here quietly, reflecting on your call to be kingdom people, focusing on you, facing the reality about life, and yet realizing that you are bigger than life itself. We pray, Lord, that you will kiss your people with peace. As our heads are bowed, as our heads are bowed this morning, I, I wonder, perhaps, you know, we, we can all worry. But I wonder how many of us today would say, you know what, Pastor Jeff, I, uh, I am almost overwhelmed with anxiety right now. I, I came to church this morning kind of not even knowing really whether I could come in here because I am, I am very, very anxious. I would, I would like it that you don't have to go out of here without knowing that you have received prayer 
Now at the end of our service, in a few minutes from now, the prayer team will be here. And if you'd like to be prayed with personally, you can, you can take that opportunity. But before that, if you just find yourself in that place where you'd say, I'm overwhelmed with anxiety and I need Jesus to teach me how to deal with this. I, I want to take this on board. Can I ask please that you just slip up your hand for a moment, just as a way of saying, include me in a prayer. Would you do that right now? Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. We do pray now, Lord, for each person who is responding and bringing their worries to you. Your word says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. And we pray for each one in their various situations that are known to you, Lord. Not one is hidden from your eyes. Loving Heavenly Father, draw close, we pray, that they might know your grace and your peace. And now, Lord, as each week we are praying into various situations around our economy, we want to pray especially this weekend for those who earn their living primarily through commission. And with the economy being the way that it is, this is a nerve-wracking and difficult time for them. We pray not only for those in this church, but for people across this city, that God, you will make yourself known on the tough days and that they will discover your help and your provision. Lord, we agree together in Jesus' name. Amen.